Hi, Vanghi. Great to have you at Potsdam. Thank you very much for stopping by. Uh, we're doing step conference series, and uh, could you please introduce yourself? Absolutely, and thank you for having me. First off, I am Vanushika Bhargav, and I am the founder of Contentify. It's a B two B SaaS content marketing agency, and we've been in the ecosystem for about eight years, working with a number of SaaS startups and scale ups, and this includes names like Shopify, Hootsuite, Redar. Uh, we've been working with them when setting up their content marketing engines, and I happen to be here because I, I was actually speaking at the SEM Rush Global Marketing Day, and then now speaking at Step Conference. So yeah, good to be here. Good to see a lot of tech companies really coming up. And I feel so lucky that I was able to uh, sort of uh, understand who you are, uh, and uh, was able to get a slot to record this conversation because I've been. Looking, I've been keen to speak uh, to some SaaS marketers uh, who've got real stories when they were able to help clients with their solutions, and uh, I'm so happy uh, because you're not often in Dubai. I understand, and I hope that we will have an opportunity to record a longer episode going forward. And we're talking SaaS marketing today. Yes. Uh, tell me, how did you end up in SaaS marketing, by the way? Okay, so I come from a tech background, so I'm an engineer. And I've always had that inclination towards seeing tech really evolve, and of course, software has been a part of our lives since, I guess, forever. We just call it by different names now. And I also happened to just complete my engineering and come across one opportunity to work with Ogilvy and Mather, and that's when they groomed me into this entire thing, wherein, uh, you know, marketing as a concept got introduced to an engineer. Uh, my mom comes with a complete background in language. My dad is an engineer, and both of them are nerds to the highest order. So I get the best of both worlds, I guess. Um, so I combined it with an amazing mentor, of course, and that's how I landed up in SaaS marketing. I want to stay true to what I'd done uh, or had a background in, so I chose to stick to SaaS because tech was my skill. And I did not want to go into consumer products. So yes, this is how we are here. I think it's just a very unique combination, and I frankly do think that SaaS marketers uh, need to have a technical background. But it's mm -hmm. just that not too many technical people are uh, actually moving to marketing. So that's why I got a bit surprised, mm -hmm. uh, and surprised in a good way. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I wanted to ask you. So, what are the biggest misconception about SaaS marketing that you have come across in your career? I think the number one ongoing one, despite like almost a decade in this industry, would be that if you have a product, it'll market itself. Mm. Uh, because the truth is that SaaS and SaaS marketing uh, often doesn't, you know, they don't say it in one breath or in one sentence. It's often like, hey, we have a good SaaS product. Let's focus on the UI, UX. Uh, let's focus on getting, let's say, investors. But nobody looks into marketing up until the point where they realize that the product is really not going to take off on its own. They need to present it, explain it. Uh, so I think one of the biggest issues and the myths is that a SaaS product can market itself. Uh, but no, a SaaS product needs a thorough marketing strategy, which is far more complex than the regular marketing strategies because here you're not just looking at tech, you're also looking at consumer, consumer intent, interest, and it has to be an ongoing iterative process. So I think that would be my number one. That's great. And uh, so which brings me to another question. So when SaaS products need to start their marketing then? 
Um, so I, uh, like I mentioned, I actually have a blog as well, which does mention that there's no good time to get started with marketing. Uh, sooner the better. I mean, I'll give you a couple of instances. For instance, we worked with a solution that just had slides on what they wanted to do. So it was just frameworks and a lot of flowcharts made on a presentation and no product so far, right? So uh, when we started working with them, we knew who we were addressing but we didn't have a product. So we started building out content, creating you know, marketing content that was targeted at educating that specific target audience. Here's what happened. They picked up so quickly and we started getting a lot of demo requests and then eventually we had to tell people, hey, we don't have a product, uh, we're building a product, but we can help you set up the workflow on top of an existing product that you're using. So honestly speaking, even before you have like a minimum viable product, right, MVP, like we say, uh, you can actually get started with marketing. It's also a great way to validate your idea and see how big your market is before you even launch the product or even build your list of interested people because they're going to convert once you do launch. Second is, of course, when you do have your MVP in place, you know who you're targeting then you need to double down on it and reach out to them, educate them, tell them why they need your solution. So I think the second stage is also equally important. Third is when your product is probably, let's say, completely established, right? Uh, in that case, it's, it's more like, they know what they're doing, they know how who they have to reach out to now, they just need to scale it in different ways. So I think marketing can start at any point, the sooner the better, because it also helps validate ideas. And most people tend to think of marketing as an afterthought, right? So it's mm -hmm. often started much, much later. I yeah. would say it should be a little early uh, in your journey because it's it's like an asset and you don't have to start with everything. You can start with something real small, maybe let's say like the podcast that we're doing, right? So it could be something like a small podcast which you record once a week or it could be maybe a couple of social media posts in a, you know, in a month. That's all. So it yeah. just depends. Yeah. Earlier the better. So, um, so I have lots of different uh, questions with regards to uh, whatever you mentioned now so uh, I'm just trying to uh, sort of put them in some kind of structure to make sure that we cover all of them and one of them would be probably it's like what is your like what you mentioned different stages mm -hmm. when you can actually start your SaaS marketing uh, so what would be your point of decision making in terms of the channels and adding channels, removing channels, or expanding your marketing strategy, let's say, uh, putting your products. Is it a data? Is it a tool? Mm -hmm. Is it, uh, uh, I don't know, your common sense? So what would be your point of decision making? Okay, so when we start, the very first thing that we look into is how much do we want to dilute ourselves? Instead of, you know, the spread and pray kind of an approach where we are trying to capture every platform. Uh, we look into who our target audience is, which is the target market. But then we also add an extra layer of what your ICP is, right? So your ideal customer persona. If I'm selling to Gen Z, trust me, there's no point of me creating content on LinkedIn for too long, right? But if I'm targeting millennials by any chance, right? They are people who are going to be on TikTok. They're also going to be people who are on LinkedIn. And they're most likely using TikTok for personal use and LinkedIn for professional use. In that case, if I'm tapping into their professional interests with my solution, I need to be on LinkedIn as compared to TikTok. Of course, there's this one thing of, you know, maybe uh, when sh we should also start using TikTok. Yes, we should, you know, you can, of course you can. But do you need to try it at the beginning? Probably not, because you want to approach them in a way, in via a channel where they're more receptive to your message. 
So I would probably start with LinkedIn, for instance, and then yeah. gradually, as they know who I am, uh, as they know what I speak about, I would then diversify my channels. So honestly, uh, the only layer that matters is uh, knowing your ICP out of your target market and then eventually looking into their behaviors, internet behaviors. So that's where your data comes in. And if you're a startup, you obviously don't have data, so you can actually make use of social listening to identify what channels does your target audience and your ICP use and for what and when. So that's, that's the amount of data that you actually have to look into and that's when you know that, okay, let me start my functions, marketing functions with this channel and then gradually add another channel and let that channel serve a different objective. Because each channel has its pros and cons. Yeah. So you can actually use each channel differently rather than have a have the same strategy replicated across all channels. Of course. So what sort of budget uh, uh, should a startup have or, I mean, get available to you, first of all, uh, afford an agency like yours, mm -hmm. a service like yours, or maybe just a consultation, mm -hmm. uh, and eventually uh, to engage mm -hmm. different channels at an early stage. So what would be your sort of estimation of the money we're talking about? So when it comes to SaaS, right, so if we need something that needs to show you or give you concrete data on performance, then in that case, I would probably recommend starting with a minimum deliverable that we always say that we require to capture data. And that goes somewhere above $4,500 a month upwards. But at the same time, since we call ourselves a content marketing agency for startups and scale-ups, we actually tailor it. So in case you know, you're just experimenting with channels and you want to experiment with, let's say, content marketing as one of the tactics to grow your startup, then in that case, we also tailor it to your budget. So let's say you have an internal team of uh, maybe writers, maybe you have a social person who handles social media. All you need is strategist at the top who guides them in the right direction. Then in that case, we work as strategists also, wherein we create weekly cadences of touch base. So I don't know if you've heard of the traction model, EOS mm -hmm. traction model. So what happens is that you align with somebody right from scratch, and then you set milestones. So my first meeting would be, let's say in week one, I've set some goals. Week two, I will see if it got executed or not, if there were any blockers. Then I decide my cadence for week two. Do I need to touch base twice? Do I need to touch base thrice? And then we start spacing it out so that the marketing team internally also gets used to doing things on their own, thinking more creatively because they can't wait for me to unblock it for them as a consultant. They have to do things themselves as well. So we try and work on those models too. And honestly, that can vary. That can be as less as, let's say, $1,800 because mm. you're only consulting and you're using your own resources. Yeah. So yeah, entirely depends, but we're flexible that way. How big is your team? My team is right now 17 people, two contractual, so I guess a total of 19. Yeah. Uh, I've kept it to keeping 50% of my team is full-time, 50% is contractual because I think I started my career remotely. So I believe in remote a lot and mm -hmm. we now have workflows so thorough that, you know, a remote team just makes sense. Uh, but at the same time, I want everybody to have that creative uh, angle to their lives as well. So we've tried to keep the contractual aspect alive. And uh, your clients are currently based uh, globally or are they mostly dedicated to sort of our region? Uh, so where are they based? Jail. I would say across the globe. 
Uh, we've had people who are right, like out of Greece, but then we've also have we have a massive portfolio in US, UK, and the Canadian area, particularly because again tech hub, mm -hmm. and of course India as a default because I am based out of India, so I get to meet a lot of startup founders. A lot of SaaS products are getting made there, so we have a portfolio pretty pretty scattered. I think we have remote clients as well, apart from a remote team. It's uh, it's great that actually uh, you, you happen to be in Dubai, so that we could have uh, this conversation recorded. And I mean, Semrush event, they're definitely lucky to have you uh, because I was trying to find uh, sort of professionals uh, who are dealing with specifically B two B SaaS marketing uh, in our region, and I couldn't find a lot. So I'm like, uh, I feel really lucky to have this conversation with you. And I want to ask you one more question that is uh, quite important and probably sounds a little bit easy but I want to cover that so uh, I think one of the misconceptions as well about uh, B2B SaaS marketing is that it's primarily a digital marketing so I want you to uh, I want to hear your opinion about that is, is that true or is or is it a misconception uh, could you repeat that please I'm sorry uh, so there uh, uh, I think it is a misconception that B2B SaaS marketing is primarily a digital marketing yes uh, so I want you to elaborate on that. And what's the difference between a digital marketing and B2B SaaS marketing? Okay, so I would say there's not much of a difference. It's actually that SaaS has to look into offline channels as well. Um, in fact, I, you know, while attending all of these events, I actually wrote a post around how content marketing is often called digital, right? Because it's only on your blog, it's on your website, it's on social media, etc. Actually, no, even events are content marketing. Uh, when you meet somebody and you're explaining your product or you're explaining your services, that's content, right? That's audio format content. If somebody recorded it and would have put it online, you would have said, wow, that's a podcast, that's audio content, right? So that's digital. Uh, so honestly speaking, in SaaS, it's a mix. In digital, I would say it's a club, right? SaaS companies need to look into both the aspects. They cannot purely be digital. They will have to step up meet their customers and the best way to do that is offline right so you have to attend events you have to go on podcasts right so it cannot be the standardized uh, digital marketing which is often associated with setting up your website running a couple of ads being on social media or doing your seo right uh, no SaaS has to do all of them right and but and very very strategically in phases you know iteratively uh, putting a funnel in place wherein they know which channel adds value at what stage of the funnel for sure so, yeah. yeah so and that's uh, the funnel conversation is very logically actually uh, taps into your you know the short conversation that we had with you before recording uh, so the difference between the let's say the b2b SaaS mm -hmm. versus let us say b2c Mm -hmm. marketing uh, and uh, both of them sort of if we're if we're talking let's say about the digital part of it mm -hmm. so and the difference would be mm -hmm. between um, a lot of education and yeah. the direct sales so I mean yeah. if you could elaborate on that that would be brilliant so B2C I feel is a lot of fun and games because honestly speaking I'm not saying it's less work it's a lot of work because fun and games on an everyday basis is tough but B2C, if you notice, all the brands need to be active, very proactively posting on social media, for instance, on a daily basis. But do B2B SaaS companies need to do that? Absolutely not, because you're targeting people who are, let's say, CFOs, CEOs, right, CMOs. Uh, these are people who are working. They're probably not scrolling through social media at that point. And if they are, they're probably looking for clothes. They're not looking for softwares. 
So, you know, your cadences are different. Your strategy is different. The way you present your content is different. B2C can actually tap into a lot of creativity, a lot of trends, etc. B2B on the flip side has to actually also draw a very fine line between creativity, uh, being educational and at the same time also doing a bit of sales. Like Because in B2C, if you're trying to you know offer a discount and say, hey, this is for 50% off, uh, nobody's going to point your fingers and say, hey, you're being too salesy. No. Uh, That's what you need to do, right? <laughs> exactly, because, uh, I mean, why why else would you buy five t-shirts together, right? That's right. Because they were at 50% off. But with a SaaS product, even if the subscription is at 50% off, there's still seven stakeholders that are going to decide whether we need to take that subscription at 50% off or not. So automatically, the number of times that you need to educate your audience changes. So it's far more complex. It, you need to be far more comprehensive and omnichannel. Uh, as compared to B2C. So I would say that's the core difference and that's because of the decision makers, you know, because there's one involved in B2C most, in most cases. And in B2B, there's at least a seven always. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, so how long is the, let's say, B2B uh, SaaS uh, sales cycle mm-hmm. from, from your experience? If we are talking about early stage startups, of course, mm-hmm. not about the startups that managed to grow mm-hmm. and they probably know their users pretty well and know their journeys. But when we're talking about, let's say, little data, mm-hmm. uh, limited budget probably, mm-hmm. like experimenting with channels, so, mm-hmm. so what is your experience with sort of the sales, sales cycle? Cycles. Yes. Okay, sales cycles can be anywhere between one week to three months to six months. Uh, and it entirely depends on what your pricing plan looks like. So if you yeah. have a free trial, it's within a week, right? You can convince somebody to just book a demo, get on a free trial. If you have a $9 plan, it's still easier to retain them after the free trial. Yeah. The moment you say it's $9.99, that's where you have a problem. That's where it goes into an enterprise purchase. And like I said, you have at least seven stakeholders that need to sign off on that $9.99 purchase, right? So it automatically becomes a longer process. So anywhere between three to six months on average and I've seen like the best of products out there that have established markets still take three to six months to close a good enterprise deal. So it also depends on who you're targeting in the end. If you're selling to SMBs and you have a pricing plan that's more friendly to their day-to-day budgets, you'll start seeing conversions and sales happen very rapidly. And of course, how thorough you are with setting up your marketing and sales campaigns, right? So it depends on that as well. But in general, the moment you move into enterprise markets, it takes longer. But the longer it also takes, those are the kind of people who stick longer as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't switch because that's how long they take to decide on one solution. So they obviously are going to stay with you at least for a year or two, at max, at least. So I would say, yeah, it takes about six months in some cases, but depends on product and your target audience. So uh, this question was primarily for the startups to sort of understand that it's all manageable. And even if you need to invest into your product from day one, probably invest in investment that is worthwhile. And uh, so what was your point of uh, uh, sort of a keynote uh, at the STEP conference this year? Just curious, Mm -hmm. what was the topic that you were covering? So we were talking about, uh, you know, branded content that fails because most of the time, a lot of companies think branded content is actually their ad campaigns. It's not. It's actually how I speak to somebody, so I'm presenting my company, how my team goes out there and speaks about, let's say, marketing or content marketing. is branded content because everything that they speak 
is technically representing the company, right? How we write also represents the company. So that's what it was about, you know, how people tend to think it's only the ads, so they focus a lot on the ad copy, the visuals, etc. Not realizing that how they present themselves, uh, how the founder writes about his own solutions or what their customers are talking about is all branded content. Anything and everything that as an asset is yours or is completely dedicated to you is branded content. So we spoke about you know how companies are failing at it because they fail to measure, they fail to keep up with trends, they fail to understand that what may have worked for somebody else may not work for them. So competitor research is great, but a competitor copy is never great because people are always going to know you copied their concept. So yeah, I mean that's that that that's exactly what we spoke about today. And interesting, how many times, even during this tech conference, we have already mentioned talking to you when, when I spoke to, let's say, podcasters, when I spoke to PR people, when I'm talking to you as a B two B SaaS marketer, how many times we're mentioning about the importance of, uh, you know, let's say content, but not just content, but uh, content that somehow represents your brand, your personality, mm -hmm. your professional niche. The content that speaks to other humans as a human content, actually. Mm -hmm. So I think this is, I, I don't know why, frankly, uh, it is so difficult to execute yeah. on, uh, let's say, even a small company level. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely something that has to be, you know, all the time discussed and recommended and help. So company need to understand that this is an investment worthwhile, same as, for example, you invest into developing your product. Exactly. It's the same sort of thing that helps you to promote. So what would be your, let's say, I would say three top advisors mm -hmm. to uh, startups uh, on their SaaS marketing. But let's start with, let's start with one. Okay. Maybe that will expand into three, but let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's start with one top. Okay, the one thing that I always say is um, there is no such thing as a department working in silos. So if you're thinking marketing is marketing standalone or sales is sales alone, support is support alone, actually no. You have to stop treating them as a stack. You need to start treating them as something that gets lined up together and they form the same block. So marketing is in sync, has to be in sync with sales, has to be in sync with uh, support. So a lot of SaaS companies run all of these functions in silos. Mm. So what happens is there's a lot of data that's just lost in between. Yeah. And here's what happens. The support team will suddenly one day get up and say, hey, we don't have an ebook on an X topic. So then the marketing team gets roped in or the salesperson suddenly doesn't have a case study. Mm -hmm. But if you were aligned right at step one, you will never have those instances where your marketing team or your sales team has those, you know, oh, can we have a 24-hour turnaround? No, because you're gonna be prepared. Your strategy has already covered everything. So I think that's one of the top tips that I give, yeah. that before you start marketing, ensure that your sales and support stakeholders mm -hmm. are on that call because they need to know what marketing is doing so yeah. that everybody can align. So let marketing be the person who starts that conversation between three departments. That's great. Is that your top advisor? You would add on something to it, like mm. two small pieces of advice to it, or is that your mm. top advice that can be sort of that taken would be, that as would a be start? Top. And then the second one would be if anybody comes to me and says, I don't think we kind of need marketing because our product's great and you know we know who our ICP is, we can just reach out to them. Uh, no, please remember there's seven different people that you're addressing and as you scale uh, in that sales cycle, those seven different people make decisions differently. Mm -hmm. So yes, you need marketing so that you can tap into the different channels that these seven different people use to consume content. 
and to serve their intent and their objectives and their challenges. Uh, marketing ensures that you're present there at the right time with the right message. So yes, every startup needs marketing. It can start slow. You don't have to uh, start with everything that your competitor is doing. It can always be something that you start with uh, in a very gradual sort of a way and then you start adding on top of it. Amazing, because that's what I wanted, I wanted to add actually. So, so yes, your marketing and sales have to be aligned but please have your marketing. Yes. Just hire your marketing person. Or if you don't have a marketing person, you can always use uh, services like your agency, for example, which yes. probably have got a lot of experience uh, in SaaS marketing. And I wish we could have a longer conversation. And I hope we're going to have one more where Super we will discuss some case studies and client uh, you know, stories uh, that grew. Mm -hmm. And I'm so looking forward to do that at the studio. Thank you very much for stopping by at Portster at the STEP conference. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation and feel so lucky that I was able to have it with thank you. Thank you for taking out the time. I know you guys have been working really hard all day. So thank you no, so it's much. fine. It's a, it's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you thank so much. You. Thanks. <laughs>